Hi folks, Timothy Harvey here. Here's part two of Nikki and my discussion of Channel Zero's No End House. We initially thought we could have the entire discussion in a single episode. This proved to me extremely optimistic. So we've broken it into two parts. If you haven't heard part one, you can find it wherever you're listening to this show. But go back and check that out before you listen to the rest of it. Otherwise, you're joining us in the middle of a conversation. That can be a little disorienting. As always, thank you for listening to Family Movie Nightmare. We hope you're enjoying listening to it as much as we enjoy making it. Welcome to Family Movie Nightmare. We have to backtrack a little bit about Seth because it's very clear that Seth has got something going on and there's there's a little bit he's not telling people and he is clearly up to something. As he's interacting with JD's double, he's acting like he knows what's going on and this confuses JD's double because JD doesn't know Seth. And And JD didn't fucking tell anybody. And he's acting like it's totally fine, too. Like, he's like, oh, you're falling apart already? Yeah. Mm, That's too bad. Okay, bye. So Seth ultimately reveals that he's been here for a while and that he knows what's going on. And he's part of this in in that he's been to the house before. and, And he thinks it's a cool place. Yes, he's been leaving. He's been dropping hints. Uh, for several episodes, that he rather likes it here. He wants he wants very much for Margot to like it here too. Isn't this place pretty? Isn't it nice? If you just let down your guard, couldn't you see the beauty of this place? And she's like, eh, not really. He's kind of seduced Margot at this point, so they're sleeping together. And when Margot finds out that he knows what's going on, or at least he knows more about what's going on, and he's been lying about it, she's like, I don't want anything to do with you. And so when when she and Jules escape back into the real world, she doesn't want anything to do with Seth. So when the father shows up and Seth tells Jules that dad's home, suddenly Seth is back in there and he says... And suddenly he's a hero. Kinda, yeah. He's like, the only way to do this is to go back and you can, you can, you can lead him back into the house and, and that'll solve the problem. I just realized something. I didn't realize it in my... Um... While I was preparing for this podcast, but Seth is a clever little devil because uh, what happens is they talk Seth out of the whole lead dad back into the house because um, they're not fucking stupid and they don't want to go back into the house. The house is mean and cruel and dangerous and they're out and they want to stay out. So instead, Margot wants to kill the cannibal that is her father. And Seth agrees. He will take the pills that she has kept, the pills that uh, caused her father's death uh, due to allergic reaction, and he will crush it up and put it in her dad's food, which is a tiny puppy that just (laughs) rises out of the floor because that's how food gets made. It's very cool. The fucking memories and the niblets inside of the memories are so cool. It's just visual design. <laughs> Anyways, so Seth is in charge of um, how many pills he gets. 
And it's kind of interesting that the dose that they give dad is not enough to kill dad. And because it's not enough to kill dad, he is able to wreck shop, beat the shit out of mom and Seth, and then attack Jules and try to force her to give him another memory. Seth gets him off of her and dad starts to murder Seth. And that is when Margot agrees to go back into the house. And that's how they end up in the house for a whole year. Yeah, you have to wonder how much Seth actively manipulated that situation because it feels like it's one of those another one of those ambiguities where you could very easily see Seth setting up as much of that as he possibly could to get what he wanted. Right. I don't think he wanted Dad to um, try to shove his finger through his skull. Probably not. But I think that there's certainly, certainly, Seth is a, well, Seth is a manipulative bastard. There's just no way around it. He's he's up to yes, a thing. We... And he's going to get it. And he wants Margot for a reason. And he's going to do what he can to get it. And for a year, he keeps Margot in a nice little bubble where it's just him and her and dad. And they work out a system with dad because dad genuinely loves Margot and doesn't want to hurt her and doesn't want to leave her hollow. So he's very selective about when he eats and what he eats and ultimately lets her choose what the memories are and lets her pick what to sacrifice. And she writes it down before she does it. So technically, she'll still have it. There's an interesting thing that happens with her father that I think is, especially when you look at what happens in Candle Cove. And then in the course of over this year where basically Margot is a prisoner in the house and she is being nibbled at by the cannibal version of her father and being sort of a sexual captive of Seth, her father, who is the villain for a significant chunk of the show, becomes this character who will not, who will who will go hungry, where she sits there and says, it's time for you to eat, and he goes, no, no, I'm fine. I can go another day. Yeah, there's, he, he's consumed her memories of him, and he's become more and more her father, the the man that she remembers, this idealized version, perhaps. But he is, there's a moment, there's a, mo- a scene of parental love and sacrifice that happens where he basically lets her go and decides that he's going to do anything to make sure she gets out. When you look back at Candle Cove yes. and you look back at a mother making a decision letting a child go a different way, of course, but it's also an act mm-hmm. of love and sacrifice. I'm like, huh, hang on. Is this going to, is this going to be a <laughs> recurring theme throughout Channel Zero, which I think would actually be really cool. Probably not. Yeah. But just, I mean, because you, you can make connections between all kinds of things. But I was really kind of affected by the fact that he's this unstoppable juggernaut of need and anger for episode after episode and here good fucking word for it here he's just so i will i will do what i can 
to save you because you're my daughter and I love you. This was really cool. I thought this was extremely well done. And again, you know, yes. in the hands of these actors, they did a beautiful job with it. Yes. I'm very curious about the themes going forward because between these two seasons, it seems there's a lot of emphasis on art as horror and horror as art. The importance of family, specifically between parents and their children, and the way media connects us and how opening ourselves to media has lasting consequences and creating media has consequences too. And because it's implied by the plaque at the front of the No End House that it was a creation. Somebody built it. It's not an organism that just showed up. And if it is, it's still decided to model itself after a creation. And it and it influences people by getting into media, by by uh sending videos to their phones and and showing up on their television screens. And so there's there's these elements that the showrunners are very interested in. And I like all of these elements a lot. I'm very excited to see how, if they choose to, how they continue to play with them. But bringing this to a close, uh, they have been there for a year. And Seth has been on little walks. And he's not telling Margot everything about it. He keeps going back to the people in the cage. It's implied that the people in the cage are his cannibals that he are just, just keeping around because he can't he doesn't want them to hurt. He doesn't want to kill them. They're part of the house and he loves the house. He thinks the house is great. Um and it's been a year, so the house shows up in, in France. Uh no, I'm sorry, it shows up in Quebec. It's in Canada. That means that Jules has come back for Margot. And interestingly enough, she's waiting outside for her turn to go into the no-end house. And who does she find outside but Seth? Alone. Not with Margot. I had a split second where I was like, oh shit, are there more of him? Is... Oh, yeah. Is he... Is he more like the orchid mantis that he pointed out in the fact that he is part of the house and just... No, no, that's not the way he does. He's a real guy. He's a real guy with real needs and... What Margot doesn't know and what Jules uncovers, because uh, Seth decides that Jules does not get to see Margot, and he does a piss-poor job of trying to feed her to her cannibal and Jules is just like, but I brought a knife, stab. <laughs> and Jules uncovers the truth that Seth has many Margos, many girls that he has manipulated and groomed and fed to the house to until they were nothing but hollow vessels uh, that he had no more use for, and so he just replaced them. He found another girl waiting in line to be nice to and to groom and to try and show the wonders of the house because he didn't have a place before, but he has one now. Yeah, he says to Margot, 
I'm not a serial killer. I'm a serial monogamist. And her response is, these are not mutually exclusive. Oh, my God, that fucking line. If I knew it better, I'm pretty sure that there is a serial killer that describes himself as a serial monogamist. Oh, I'm sure. I can't remember who it is, but I think one of the heavy hitters... It wouldn't surprise I me I think at that's all. a fucking reference. I mean, it's... The, there's, there's something... Okay, so... Margot's father, as a villain, is terrifying. Seth, mm-hmm. as a villain... I, so Seth is very effective at being a very ordinary monster. He's a manipulative, self-absorbed jerk. Attractive. Yeah, he, but, he, but he's, he's one of those people who he basically picks a girl, gets what he wants out of her, dumps her, and moves on. He's very shallow. And as a villain, he ultimately is not as effective as Margot's father. I would argue that he is, but I am the girl in the situation and he's what I actually have to fear out in the world. Well, and I would then and, and that is what actually makes him scary. Because yes. he is a very ordinary villain in the sense that everything else, once you pull the horror out, you pull the fantasy out, you pull the parallel dimensions and the duplicates and the cannibal whatevers, you, all that stuff goes away. All the things that are impossible and will never actually happen. You are left with a man who is a very shallow but effective predator. Mm-hmm. And in terms of horror movie monsters... He is in, he is he ends up being the ambassador for the cosmic horror, for the eldritch monster that is the No End House. Yes. In the real world, he's the kind of person which we're talking a lot about in media right now. He's the kind of person who <laughs> is a very all too real threat. He is the person you don't want your daughter to meet. You don't want your sister to meet. You don't want that female friend or your divorced mother or any of any of the women in your life. You don't want them meeting these people because these people, they're seductive as hell. They're seductive and they're entitled. Well, they're not entitled, but they feel entitled and they're seductive because <laughs> they know how to prey on people and they are... The as a as a male, as a as a as a single as a single male of the species, who who is far from a perfect person, but tries relatively hard to be at least a decent human being, recognizing that I haven't always pulled it off, and I've been better at some things, and and you know, I have my own have my own guilts in life to carry. These are the people that I just, I, 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 have, I have such complicated, the, the things I, I find myself wanting to say when confronting with these people tend to go to places I don't like to go because they, 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 they I'm not a person who gets angry very easily, but they're the kind of people who, <laughs> who cause me to become very, very angry very, very quickly because they, I know far too many Far too many of the women in my life have been hurt 
in in ways that are that range from just having your heart broken all the way up to really really terrible things and yeah. these people show up along that spectrum to varying degrees and i have way too many people that i care about who have had this kind of man in their life and we, and there are women who exist in this role as well don't don't i mean this is this is unfortunately a thing that happens and it's it's not necessarily a gendered thing, but I tell you what, there's a lot more of the men doing it, and they are a lot more mm-hmm. dangerous as far as I'm concerned. Now, that is a perspective thing, and I realize that, and somebody could argue the point. But right. that said, I just wanted to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. <sighs> he gets his he gets his comeuppance. He does. And 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 the and, beautiful uh, thing is dad helps yeah the beautiful thing is that dad holds him dad holds him yes. and and this is this is that thing where the monster kills the monster and sometimes i love that in horror when the supernatural kills the real villain that's always it's always tasty i love i i really love this ending more than candle cove because candle cove was a wonderful story but uh, we discussed how the ending was just kind of, kind of cutesy, very light, just kind of. It was a feel-good yeah. ending after a very, very dark conclusion to the story. Right. It it was also kind of wishy-washy in that the character doesn't really die. Like his sacrifices, he has to stay and play war with his brother for a billion years. But he can still influence, both of them can still influence the real world if they try hard enough. This one has a stronger ending. And it's and it's in part what happens to Seth. It's in part how Jules and her love for Margot completes their journey. It's sapphic love saves the day. Do you know how <laughs> few times I get to say that? Well, Do you know you how know, few times I get that? That is, <laughs> so that is that's true. I mean, there's just there that is not a that is not a recurring theme in a lot of storytelling, but it does exist, and and it's good to see it. I think that mm-hmm. the their relationship is the hope spot in what ultimately though is a relatively tragic ending, and I think that oh, yes. that there's there's something about the fact that they still have each other. However you want to define their relationship, they still have each other because they're going back to a world where there's huge chunks of Margot's memory that are gone. We don't know how how, uh, Jules, if Jules, made up with her mother and her sister whom she has completely forgotten. We never see that as the audience. We can make assumptions, but... And Margot has lost her father again. She has lost her mother. She, her mother, her mother's memory was the first one that Cannibal Dad took. Does she reconnect with her mother? We don't know. Does is Jules' connection with her family irrevocably shattered? We don't know. There's all this. They they escape the house and they have each other, and that's as good as it gets. Which is not a terrible place, no. but it's not a great place either. No, because they're, the horror in Channel Zero has consequences. Yeah. Characters live, characters die, 
but there are consequences. I love that. Now, it's so good. There's one other. This there's continues. To... There's one other piece of horror oh. that still exists. The house is still out there. Yes, it has not been defeated. Our characters have gotten out. Yeah, they. Uh, it's it's still out there to prey on people. Dylan's goal was to kill the house. Jules was like, nope. Not worried about that. Just get my friend out. <laughs> That's all. That was too much to ask for. That was just... I know my limitations. There's also... I love how she... And this goes back to the difference between Jules as the uh, uh, Rambo and... Uh, or, you know... Uh, game protagonist versus Dylan as a game protagonist. Jules, whatever her love is for Margot, she does not impose it upon Margot. She doesn't have to because Margot has not forgotten her, but at the same time, if you're like me and you want to see it as a romantic love for your best friend, uh, at times chasing you and, and ruining your life... It it doesn't get brought up because she understands that Margot does not need that right now. It the, her safety, whatever that means, gets her out, and it's a it's a huge difference from how Seth treats Margot. It's a huge difference from how Dylan treats Lacey. It's a huge difference from how JT treats the girl that's there for two seconds all of the hetero couples in this series kind of get fucked over that's true and they do. then there's this this beautiful love that is is you know jules isn't a perfect you know person she isn't there for marco when marco needs her when her father's dies she she they address that she apologizes it's explored handled wonderfully but their relationship their love whatever it is is the purest relationship in this series and i love that i'm so grateful for that again because it doesn't happen enough usually if there's girls in a series there is a there is a singular girl or they all are various uh, flavors of victim or one of the girls is evil and usually she it's because her sexuality is evil and scary and those are typically the stories that are explored through horror and it's different and it was nice and it's my favorite part. And I'm going to be screaming about it for a long time. I'm going to make Chris watch it. Well, see, this is this is cool, though, because there's there's certain tropes in horror that have become... And a lot of it came out of slasher films out of the 80s. And mm. for good or for ill, the success of this... The, the, the success of Halloween, which is the original 1980s Halloween film, which is in many ways is the, almost the perfect unstoppable killer movie it is it is also responsible for every bad slasher movie that followed because people looked at it and went they made that on no money it made all the money it's genius we can do that too and not everybody is john carpenter not even john carpenter is john carpenter because i saw ghosts of mars and it was crap but <laughs> um 
so so there are certain tropes that are expected in horror films. If you have sex and you're a teenager and you're not married, you're going to get killed by the killer. Sex, sex and love are not defense mechanisms in horror films. They make you a target. And they make you susceptible. And so having a character, the if the couple survives to the end of the story, which they often do not, or one of them does not, it's usually the one that survives uh, the the love interest has sacrificed themselves to hold off the killer just long enough for the final girl, because it's almost always a girl, gets away. And there's, so it's a formula, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a thing that you can basically map out A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, and that's, it's, it's, it's marketable, it works, it makes money. It even get brought back in the quiet place. Yeah. So, but you look at, you look at Channel Zero and a lot of other modern television horror has allowed these people to do, these storytellers and these actors to do, is tell these stories that don't hit those same cliche beats. And so to and have... find ways to subvert them. So to have these characters, where these, where these two women, you, the final scene is you see them walking out of the door to the house together, and to have this moment where, where you know, these two people, this you know, they are saved by the you know by acts of of love, friendship, love, maybe romantic love, parental love. You know, love saves the day, but love it, yes. it's it's not it's not. And we were redeemed by the power of love. It was characters who we've actually spent several episodes developing them enough so that you can believe that when Margot's dad doesn't want her to be stuck here being consumed you believe it because you've had those other episodes to see him as a monster yes and see him struggling with being a monster it's not he is an unstoppable force and and a definitive antagonist but there's still flavors of of concern there are still moments where he seems deeply upset with himself. And then you've had you've had that time with Jules to see that she, however you read it, she loves Margot. And when she when you see her, you know, not even not, not like overtly, I'm gonna go be a badass, but but she's you know, she's got her, her pack and she's got, you know, she's ready to go. When you see her, you kinda look at her and go, Oh yeah, she's going after Margot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and you believe that this relationship has you you can see that she would do that for this person. Yes. That despite she has moments where hyperventilate I, I watched the series with subtitles on it and the amount of times hyperventilating in parentheses showed up <laughs> under Jules was uh I lost track I lost count. It's something, it's a part of her character. She has panic attacks and she runs away. And so there's this, this great character growth where she addresses, yes, when your father died, 
I was overwhelmed and I couldn't do it and I ran and I don't want to keep doing that. And then she keeps doing that. She runs from Margot and then she runs from her family and then she runs back to Margot and then she runs after Margot and then the house is gone and then she follows through. She gets Margot out. She's afraid, but she doesn't let her fears stop her. She, she deals with her fear. She's overwhelmed by her fear in several points in the series. But then she sits there and goes, okay, I'm scared, but my friend needs me. The person I care yes. about needs me. I've, I've got to get home. I've got to get my friend home. I have to have, I have to get my friend back. I have to get Margot back. And that is, I believe that's what, uh, you know, being, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little, you know, gr lofty here, but the <laughs> definition of a hero is not that you're not afraid. The definition of a hero is someone who is afraid and does it anyway, you know, does the, does yes. the thing. And so in this, in this story, if we, if you want to go, if you want to play with the, the, the themes, you know, the big themes is Margot is the princess in the castle. Yes. And Jules is the knight riding up yes, to rescue the princess in the castle from the monster who is holding her hostage, only to find that there's more than one monster and she has to fight, you know, you know, do a lot more fighting through the through the you know, the halls of the castle to rescue the princess. You know, if you want if you want to play with this kind of, you know, fairy tale story. You read my mind. I was gonna I was gonna make the same analogy. I was I seriously was because it's it's so interesting that she's she ends up being the hero for Margot who isn't a, you know a, a wilting violet but she has been placed in a situation where she has to be rescued from it. Well, and if you think about it, interestingly enough, Margot is the main character of the show. Everything revolves around oh. Margot. It's Margot's dad, Seth has targeted Margot. Jules is Margot's friend. It's all told around Margot. But the person who saves Margot isn't Margot. She's saved by no. her, not really her father, and her best friend. So the main character of the show is saved by the secondary characters of the show. Which is kind of cool from a storytelling standpoint. Yes. And she I mean, she has some very heroic moments. She's, she's doing her best. I really love Margot. She is definitely... Like, we've... I've spoken about how wonderful her actress is. But just... She's, again, similar to Candle Cove. These are smart characters. They don't... They, they ask questions. They solve the problems that are in front of them. But they also... Margot gets complacent. And Margot... Out of, out of love... Uh, allows herself to be taken advantage of. And it, it's one of those moments where you don't... I didn't, at least as an audience member, go... You 
stupid idiot. Why did you do this? Why did you fall for this? It was completely understandable because it's their fucking dad. And and Seth is a manipulator and he's nice. And he's pretty. I mean, he's bland, but he's pretty. And See? she's clearly into it. <laughs> I tell you what. I, I mean, I, he's not I, my type. I, I, I soon... I, I, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go off on this bizarre tangent, but I, I kind of do, because as <laughs> soon as I saw saw Seth, and I don't know if it's because, okay, so no, this is a thing. All right, so we were just talking about this on on Zompocalypse Now the other uh, last night, which is there's a kid, there's a <laughs> there's a character on the show who has a certain look, okay, and he's often oh okay, and he's often cast as being a jerk based on his look, mm-hmm. right? And that's those are the roles that I'm familiar with him because he's this big guy with muscles and he's got a very angular face and he's that kind of guy. And Dustin pointed out mm-hmm. that this guy often does comedy and he's really funny. And I'm like, I have no I had no idea because I just have never seen those roles. <laughs> so you make you you look at a character and you make a judgment call based on the role that he's playing and the role that he's played in other things, okay? And as soon as I saw Seth my first thought was, this guy is going to be trouble because he has that look about him. And as, he looks like a douchebag. He does. <laughs> he really does. He looks like a preppy douchebag and a heartbreaker. And I didn't trust him. His he had smile teeth, looks like a and... wolf. And I'm just like, eh, okay. And so. And there's nothing going on behind his eyes. And, Jewel, and Jules is right there. Jules is right there. I had to... The first episode was very hard for me to watch because it was so hetero and I was just like, oh, I don't care. (laughs) Oh, these guys aren't even hot. You have terrible taste in men and JT is annoying and Jules is right there just talking about fucking succubi. Why aren't you kissing Jules? Anyways. I have priorities. It is... is, (laughs) You know, heterosexual relationships are valid things too. You know that, right? <laughs> okay, if you have to be if you have to be hetero, if have- could you at least not be creepy? Because I know he did get, he did get cast the part that he got cast, and and if you have if you have fucking radar, if you have douchebag radar, you know that you don't talk to this fuck. Well, okay, but but in all fairness to Margot, she's a teenage girl. And, and like, she's damaged. And like teenage, and like, and like teenage boys, teenage girls or early twenties girls and early twenties boys are not the brightest creatures. No, they aren't. I remember really this. Not, I was I know there. That. <laughs> so was I. I'm still technically there. I don't have the best taste in in people either in the moment. But I can fucking tell this. Oh yeah, no, he's he's clearly like he's trouble. I mean, he's he's bad news, and he turned out to be bad news. I would, but she, if they had subverted it and actually made him uh, a, a really pleasant person, I would have been like, yeah, but look at his face. He should be the bad guy. <laughs> I know it's just not even. Well, he, it's not he even kind fair. Of does it? He has he has some nice he has some nice moments, but of course, by the end, we all realize. That they were manipulation. Oh yeah, bullshit. Like I said he's a predator, and he he knows how to he knows how to he knows how to to, to draw in the prey. I mean, he's just a monster because he's done it seven times. Oh, God, I know. He has a culvert stack of fucking victims. Oh yeah, he just, he's he's so awful. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he is serial monogamous. My ass. He had seven. 
the no end house is a evil thing right it is an evil space it generates things that consume people it traps people inside it it holds them and it, it it nibbles away and it eats away at their minds and their psyches until they are just hollow shells. Then there's Seth, who is in this environment and willingly goes out and gets people to add to it because he thinks it's cool. Oh, God, yeah, no, he's, he's awful. He's just a monster. I actually wonder about the No End House because it creates these pathetic, often with the capability of becoming self-aware and tragic in their own right entities within itself. And it warns people, it warns people in the very first room, beware the cannibals. Why does it, why does it give them the power to leave like it it murks that guy and then he it lets his girlfriend leave through the exit door it's so strange and i love that it's strange and that we don't really have any answers for this and that it is kind of pathetic it it is a flawed confused creation that just is doing what it needs to to survive. I kind of get Seth's point. He's a piece of garbage human being with absolutely warped morals. But he's not wrong that the Noen House is itself a thing that's just trying to get by. Well, and, and on a purely objective level, it is amazing. It's incredible. It's beautiful. It has a beauty. It has a kind of a beauty to itself. But that doesn't... Especially if you're a freak who likes horror. But it's it's an alien thing. And it is, it is a predator in its own right. Because it shows up. And it lures people in. And it doesn't let them all go. Like an anglerfish. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> anglerfish. Uh, first episode of the Magnus Archives. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. We'll talk. I think. I yeah. Think go. At some point I'll go the, listen to that. Some point in this show, we'll probably talk about the Magnus Archives in depth. But anyway, we have gone uh-huh. on for a very long time. And Nearly two hours. I'm pretty sure that that this <laughs> it'll ed- be cut down. I'm oh sure. yeah, this episode's going to get edited the hell out of. Uh, but uh, it probably <laughs> will go over an hour because I think we talked. We talked on. We touched on a lot of things. This is, you know. It's one thing we were we were very vague in the first episode here, and I think that we were trying really hard not to make, be spoilery. And I think you're right. Right. We 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 probably went too far. And here we were very not we were very spoilery, and <laughs> and and I think the analysis went pretty in depth. And I think that this show overall, Channel Zero kind of asks for that it 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 really does it, it it's very level like it it has layers it's like an onion yeah. it's like an ogre <laughs> and it's good yeah it is it's good good and i want to talk about it well and i think that i think that that's the something that, that you know there will there will be other there will be other 
shows and, and movies and books and podcasts that we'll talk about that we'll probably be a lot more critical of. Uh, I, in mm. fact, I'm, I can guarantee it. But there's something about this show that I think because the sci-fi channel kind of went turned into a parody of itself for a long time, <laughs> that this, this sort of last several years, probably the last four or five years, their in conscious intent to turn themselves more into a serious network that shows real interesting programming, whether it's science fiction or horror or fantasy, they are they've allowed the creators of Channel Zero to tell, tell some interesting stories. And basing, you know, the creepypasta stuff is very much a reference point for folks who are familiar with that. But for the folks who aren't, they're telling interesting stories that have interesting characters that have depth. And as a horror fan, you don't always get that in your hour and a half movie. Um, or, and, and as I, I listen to a lot of horror podcasts, I listen to, I read a lot of horror novels. I watch a lot of horror films. And one of the things that I find really gratifying is when I'm engaged by a character. And so far I could definitely say that channel zero has given me engaging characters, put in interesting situations and, they have managed to cast well, write well, and give fantastic visuals that really yes. set up a kind of interesting world as a horror concept. I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. I'm so glad because so am I. I've this is I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is the kind of media I would love to create. It is smart. It is enjoying itself it is thoroughly loving the concepts that it is exploring there is care and attention given to so many the acting the writing the direction the design is all made with such love and appreciation for what it for for the genre that it's playing in uh i'm still absolutely thrilled that they actually reached out to a performance artist and gave him a part on their show because they could have just stolen his look i'm they could have just gone hey that's cool and and created a character that was kind of like what he did. Instead, they invited him on and they gave him a platform to perform. And I feel like they they carried that kind of reverence for visual storytelling and visual horror into No End House. Also, reverence and and appreciation for character studies and psychological horror and exploring the the things that people really go through and how those can interact with the supernatural in ways that, you know, we're never going to actually experience. And it's just so smart and it's just so good and it's so pretty. <laughs> and I'm so excited for, I'm so excited for Butcher's Block. I'm looking forward to it and I'm really looking forward to season four because 
I really do think we're going to have to go episode by episode if this is what we get yeah. from actually trying to talk about the series. Oh, yeah. Instead I mean, of just vaguely talking about what we kind of like. It's 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 tough. You know, we, we, we want to target like an hour-long show, but it's tough to talk about six six episodes and condense it all down to an hour. When it's there's so much going on. Yeah. Like, there's... I, I you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to cut this episode into two parts so that I can don't have to chop out huge chunks of it but i might i don't know we'll see um yeah so next week uh we'll be talking about butcher's block which is based on search and rescue woods uh, by carrie hammond and full full disclosure warning i guess for the folks who are fans of uh carrie hammond's series of stories that are based in the search and rescue woods uh reality um, this is this is the one that they acknowledge is very much a we looked at a thing that was part of this story and then told a completely new story that doesn't have any real connection to it. So this is from what I from what I understand this is to date the least connected of the stories to the original creepypasta. Oh, okay. I'm I did not realize that. <laughs> yeah, so the fourth season seems to be very much a very connected by the trailer alone. It seems very connected to the to the short story, which is really only like five or six paragraphs. But um, Carrie Hammond's work actually covers quite a few different expanded stories that covers this search and rescue woods. It's really fucking good. Oh, yeah. I w- I really suggest it. It's very, and I'm kind of glad actually that they didn't they aren't taking it straight off because that means that the author can can continue to explore this story on their own terms. Yeah. Um it seems like with uh Channel Zero the the if if it's a longer story, we will take just a little bit of it, and if it's a shorter story, we'll take most of it. Basically from what I understand, it's the staircase in the middle of the woods. That shows up in. Oh search. yes, that is oh, that's what they the built. Staircases. That's what they built Butcher's Block around is the staircase in the middle of nowhere. Oh, man. So and, and the uh, staircase in the okay yeah we'll we'll get into, yeah, that. We'll get into I that. I really suggest looking into uh, in the meantime, looking into Search and Rescue because fuck is it good? Oh yeah, no, it's a fantastic series. I've, I've I've started reading it and I'm not done. Um, I, it's an ongoing series, as I understand it, that he's, he's still writing new entries. Uh, mm-hmm. And so anyway, it's definitely worth checking out. Obviously, we want you to check out all of this and keep coming back to checking us out here on Family Movie Nightmare, uh, where we yes. will continue to do this sort of thing, uh, hopefully uh, in a moderately entertaining way. <laughs> And and slowly but surely getting a, a better format going. We are we are still kind of earning our sea legs. Yeah, because I mean it's it's for those of you like I said for those of you who have, who are already listening to it's this this podcast kind of lives right now in the same space as Apocalypse Now um, because it's just convenient for me to continue to host it in the same neighborhood. And so if mm. you're listening to Apocalypse Now and you're listening to this for the first time, you you can tell they're different shows. Zompocalypse Now is easy because Dustin and I sit there and talk about <laughs> what we saw on one episode of Fear of the Walking Dead or The Walking Dead. And it's – we have a love-hate relationship with these shows so we can tear it down and praise it without any real trouble. 
you and I are watching this stuff for the first time together, which is great. <laughs> and I have no experience podcasting, so I am I am learning everything as we go. I'm not uh, I'm still kind of learning how to host one of these things. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. You're doing a fantastic job as far as I'm concerned. But Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> but so it's it's a different kind of thing and we are figuring out the format of this show cuz it's a, it's a different thing than Zompocalypse now is. Mm. You can still find us on podcast.com and iTunes under the Zompocalypse Now banner right now. It is showing up of course as Family Movie Nightmare on its own title, so you could you will see that if you're if you're not subscribing to us uh, yet, you can subscribe to us. You'll find us that you'll get both shows. You'll get both shows for the price of free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely find Family Movie Nightmare on Twitter, which is where we're currently living. We don't have a Facebook page yet or anything like that, but we do have a Twitter account, and we would love you to have you follow us there. It's Family Movie Nightmare or FM Nightmare Pod, and we would love to have you follow us. That would be cool. Share the show. Yes. Uh, we will be continue to do uh, Channel Zero. After Channel Zero ends, we'll have an entire world of horror to discuss with you guys. So, and for those of you um, who uh, follow Nikki K on Tumblr and on her own page, you have your own Patreon account, yes? Yes, I do. You can follow me at Blue and Orange, Blue without an E, at Tumblr.com, and Blue and Orange without an E on Patreon. Because you're an artist. I am. I make comics, and I um, I write and... and, and just discuss all of the mostly fandom stuff mostly overwatch stuff but yeah (laughs) i you know i'm a big fan of of supporting people trying to make a living as artists i haven't been able to do that as much as i'd like but uh you know my kid is so support my kid (laughs) that would be awesome so so yeah we got all kinds of things for you to follow and support and subscribe to and that would be awesome if you would uh, and of course, again, share the show if you could. That would be fantastic. We'd love to get reviews. Uh, and if you happen to enjoy this show and you want to check out Zompocalypse now, you certainly can. But they are two different shows, and you can like one and not like the other. It's okay. You don't have to like the Walking Dead universe. It's okay. Trust me. I promise. <laughs> Though, as someone who does not like the Walking Dead universe, I thoroughly enjoy the show. <laughs> it's a thing, it's a weird, weird thing. And it's okay. I might be biased. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. So, anyway. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we will be back next week with Butcher's Block. Family Movie Nightmares, produced by Nikki Cave and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.